Have you been thinking about wanting to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get the Evan Witt show off the ground, trying to find where to go, I had a lot of questions and trying to figure it out. And Anchor was the place to go. Easy to start, easy to use, and it's free. And you can get your podcast heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other great places that people like to listen. The answer, again, is Anchor. And I love using Anchor as it's extremely easy and simple and free to use. If you want to join me with Anchor on your podcast, then go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of all the podcasters that Anchor has to offer. I enjoy and cannot wait to start hearing your first podcast. That's anchor.fm slash start. Good evening, everybody. It is Friday, November 23rd. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving uh, last night, yesterday. Um, had a great Thanksgiving up with my parents up in Door County. I actually spent the week up there, just got back today. And, you know, now it's time to uh, record a new episode of the Evan Witt Podcast. Uh, but it's been about a week since I recorded my last one. The last one was uh, talking about the Packers-Dolphins game, I believe. And just had a, a lot going on that I've been unable to uh, record, but you know now I'm able to, and now I'm going to bring you a, a quick podcast talking mostly Green Bay Packers. And yes, I will get to the Milwaukee Bucks probably my next podcast, but there's just a lot of Packer topics to talk about, and I want to try to keep the podcast under 30 minutes. Um, so it's kind of hard to try to try to squeeze anything else in today. As always, this podcast is brought to you by uh, Coach Evan Fitness, Strong Enough Fitness. If you're looking to lose weight, get into shape, uh, better yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, let me know. Let me help you. I am a health and fitness coach, and I offer uh, groups on Facebook uh, or one-on-one coaching to work with you and help you better yourself if that's what you choose to do. Beachbody has a ton of offer uh, offers right now to help you lose weight and just eat better and <clears throat> better your uh, overall health. And I want to help you do that. And if you want to do it too, shoot me an email, coachevan66 at gmail.com, and let me help you, and let's get going. So jumping right into the show, you know, what we're talking about today should the Packers move on for Mike McCarthy at the end of the year? Regard doesn't to me doesn't matter if they make the playoffs or not. Should they move on for Mike McCarthy at the end of the year? Because you know, in reality, even if the Packers do make a magical run at the playoffs, um, they're not a Super Bowl contending team. They're not going to beat the Saints in the playoffs. They're not going to beat the the Rams in the playoffs. They're just they're just not. Um, they don't have the personnel to do it. And yes, I know they almost beat the Rams a uh, couple weeks ago. But I think if they were to play again, the Rams would probably be in much better position. So I'm going to talk about should the Packers make move on for Mike McCarthy at the end of the season. I'm also going to talk about some options that they could look into to replace Mike McCarthy, which would be a very tough gig for whoever does get the job because there's going to be very high expectations to win right away. And so the Packers have to make the right hire. And will Mark Murphy uh, consult with Brian Gutenkust if they do decide to make a move uh, with a new head coach? Because how the structure is set up right now, it is Mark Murphy that has the ability to 
terminate or move on from Mike McCarthy or not. So will Mark Murphy do it? And if he does, will he give uh, more say to Brian Gutenkust in the head coaching spot? Or does he want him to just mostly focus on the roster? Also going to talk about this Packers-Seahawks game briefly. Some things to share from that. And we're also going to talk about the Packer-Viking game upcoming. Both teams in different positions than they thought they were going to be in coming into the game. The Packers and Vikings both thought that they would be competing for the division title and uh, thinking this game is going to have a great impact on the division title. But instead, they're both competing for the wild card right now as the Chicago Bears have pretty much run away with the division at 8-3 and three right now. Uh, Bears have the 49ers and Giants left on the slate. So those are going to be two likely wins. And then they got the Packers and the Vikings uh, once again, um, as well as the Rams at home, which could be a a Bear win being that it's at Chicago. And who knows how the Rams are going to play in the likely uh, cold, windy conditions down in Chicago. Um, so I see three wins left on the Bears' schedule. That'll put them at 11 wins. And the Packers don't have a path to 11 wins with that tie. They're 4-5-1. and one. So if the Packers do win out, they win these remaining six games, they'll be 10-5-1. and one. Um, So Packers fighting for a wild card. The Vikings fighting for a wild card. Again, neither team is where they expected them to be moving into the year. Uh, but we'll see if either of them can make a playoff run. And it's going to start for either team tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow, Sunday. It's going to start for either team Sunday night. Uh, whoever gets the better of that game uh, will have the inside track of making that run, in my opinion. So quickly talk about Packers-Seahawks. I didn't see the game live. I have gone back and watched it and checked it out and... Uh, did my homework on the game, and this game is basically the the story of the Packers' 2018 season, a tale of two halves. All season long, the Packers have either started fast and then faded in the second half, or started slow and picked it up in the second half, and this game was no different. The uh, Packers had a 14-3 lead after the first quarter, a 21 to 17 lead after two quarters, and they managed just three points the rest of the way and gave up 10 points to Seattle uh, to give the Seattle 27 24 win. This game was marred by tough decisions, uh, decisions that you can go questionable decisions, decisions that you can go back and say they probably should have done something different. Um, and the big one that stands out. Fourth and two from their own 33-yard line, and Mike McCarthy decides to punt. And I get on third and two, Rodgers just threw the ball at the feet of the uh, the receiver. Uh, would have gotten the first down, so maybe McCarthy uh, didn't think that, uh, that Rodgers would make, be able to make that throw. I don't know. But at the end of the day, he should have went for it. That could have been a season-defining moment. That could have been the gravitizing moment that Rodgers is talking about that the team needs. The the run the table, the relax, the, you know, have a scotch and relax, uh, have a scotch and chill. You know, what he said earlier this year that some, including myself, thought might have been that gravit- gravitizing moment. But it wasn't. They punted and the Seattle ran out the clock. That's a very questionable call right there. 
The other one is McCarthy failed to challenge uh, Ketch. Um, <clears throat> trying to have my notes in front of me. I'm trying to look for it right now. Yeah, Tyler Locker catched the ball. I think it was a 33-yard catch on Seattle's game-winning drive that gave them the 27-24 lead. And he didn't challenge it. The ball clearly hit the ground. It clearly moved when it hit the ground. He didn't challenge it because he had the one timeout left. And he didn't want to risk losing that timeout. So he didn't challenge it. Seattle went on to score. That's the moment of the game you have to challenge. Because I think that was third down. That would have made up a fourth down. And Seattle likely would have punted. And then you could try to run out the game. And try to score a touchdown. And the other issues, too, were they had to settle for field goals too much. Once again, they get in the red zone and they have to settle for a field goal. Rodgers has a wide-open third-and-two, third-down situation that he didn't see the check-down guy, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't see him because pressure got there a little too fast, and he didn't see Jones in time to dump it off to him. Uh, Jones likely would have had the first down, if not the touchdown, and that would have likely sealed the game. Instead, the Packers kick a field goal to go up 24-20, and Seattle ends up winning 27-24. They settle for a field goal early in the game that Crosby missed. Um, So lots of things went wrong. And then the other question is, how much blame does Rodgers get in the game? In the second half especially, he missed a lot of guys. He didn't see a lot of open guys. I don't know if it's lack of trust in some of the people he has on the field. Um, the, the, The not having Randall Cobb out there is definitely hurting Green Bay right now. That's one of Rodgers' safety nets. Rodgers has a lot of trust in Cobb. And with Cobb, especially on third downs, and then Cobb not out there, Rodgers must not have the trust to uh, dump it off to Valdez Gantling or Aaron Jones or Ekamania St. Brown. Maybe he doesn't have that trust yet, but he's got to get that trust quickly. He's got to work with who he's got out there, and he's got to make it work. Um, Rodgers had an outstanding first half, but struggled mightily in the second. He had two big plays to Tunyon, the one for a 54-yard touchdown, and another, a couple other deep passes to Vontae Adams. Um, those kind of inflate his numbers a little bit. But he had went to Adams 10 times. 10 out of his 21 completions were to Adams. 5 were to Jones. 2 were to Kendricks. And then Tunyon had one. St. Brown had one. Jimmy Graham had one. Scantling had one. He's got to trust Valdez Scantling and St. Brown more. Because he needs to get other guys involved. He needs to just take what's there and get it to an open guy. And let his guys make plays. You know, it's kind of a, a hint to what I'm going to talk about in my Packer Viking preview, but that's what Rodgers has to do. He's got to quickly develop the trust. And I think they also got they got to get Jones the ball more. He had 11 carries, 5 catches, that's 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 touches. He should have had closer to 20. He was shredding the the the, the Seahawks on the ground through uh, I'm should I'm sorry, through the air. Average 12.6 yards per reception. Nine yards after the catch. Um, get him the ball more. Get him the ball in space. Let him make plays. He's got great vision, great feet. Get him in space. And why not try Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones together in the backfield? Fake the handoff to, to Williams. Let uh, Jones run a route and hit Jones on a wheel route or something. There's just a lot of options that they could have done against Seattle that got the ball in Aaron Jones' hands more and possibly Valdez Scantling's hands more. 
Defensively, Packers did all right. Kyler Frackle, three sacks, Sackville, um, dominated the game, did much better than he has in quite a while on the setting the edge against the run. Jari Alexander struggled in coverage a little bit. The same goes with uh, the other rookie, Josh Jackson. Um, but overall, the defense played a pretty good game. And then by the end of the game, they're just gassed. They lost um, Kenny Clark to injury at one point in the game. They lost Breland to injury during the game. They lost... Um, trying to think who else. They lost Mike Daniels to injury, and he's like possibly up for the remainder of the year. Um, they lost a lot of guys on defense, and that just shows you more why they should have went for it on that third and uh, fourth and two instead of punting it. They were should, they, that's another reason they should have went for it. The defense was gas; they didn't have anything left, and they decided to punt the ball away and put the ball the defense back on the field. That's the reason why they should have went for it right then and there. Because they couldn't stop anybody late. They couldn't make that key stop on that final drive when they needed to. <clears throat> so, But the Packers fall to Seattle 27-24. Questionable decisions by McCarthy. Questionable decisions by Rodgers. And as I mentioned, once again, it falls back to the tail of two half situation. You can go back to week one. Against Chicago, they win 24-23. They were down 20 to nothing at halftime. In the second half, they dominated both sides of the ball. Vikings, week two, 29-29 tie. The Packers pretty much control the first half of the game, offensively and defensively. Second half, both offense and defense disappears, and we tie at 29-29 in OT. Against Washington, they lose 31-17. to Washington dominates the first half. Packers can't stop them. Second half, the Packers' offense and defense plays much better. I think they gave up just a touchdown in the second half. The Packers' offense scored, uh, you know, moved the ball much better in the second half. And again, it was a, too little, too late. The opposite of the week before, same as week one. You know, slow start, pick up second half. Fast start, slow down second half. Slow start, pick it up second half. Buffalo, first half, again, dominate. Offense and defense dominates the first half. Second half, the offense kind of goes away. They win 22 to nothing. Detroit, 31-23 loss. They lose to Detroit. The, Detroit dominates the first half. Packers come back in the second half, try to make a rally, fall a little short. Missed field goals hurt them. Again, tail of two halves. Packers start fast against the 49ers. They go away for a couple quarters, not able to stop the 49ers and not able to move the ball. Fourth quarter, they turn it on late and they win 33-30. to One of just two games this year that they've scored 30 points. Uh, against the Rams, they start out hot and they fade down the stretch. Patriots start out hot, fade in the fourth quarter. The Dolphins, they dominate from uh, beginning the first uh, opening whistle to the closing uh, ending whistle. And against Seattle, they start fast and they uh, they finish slow. So there's really only one game that they played a complete game in, and that was Miami, both offensively and defensively. And Minnesota, they can't afford another slow start. Now that's going to segue me right to my Packer-Viking preview. They can't afford another slow start against the Vikings. They can't. they got to come out swinging, and they got to come out on fire. And if they do get the fast start, they can't afford to slow down later in the game. The Vikings are going to make adjustments. You've got to make adjustments back. 
Vikings stop this play, well, let's switch it up and do something different kinds of thing. And that's something that the Packers have struggled with offensively all year. Um, Minnesota, they're not where they want to be right now. And one of the one tidbit for the game, the, this would be the Vikings' uh, second straight Sunday night game, their fourth uh, primetime game. Uh, it's going to be their fourth primetime game. And they're 0-3 in primetime right now. They lost to the Rams, they lost to the Saints, and they lost to Chicago um, last Sunday night. <clears throat> um, Cousins, 4-12 and career record when kickoff starts in the evening. He plays well when it starts in the evening, but he's 4-12 and overall. So that's one uh, fact of the game, courtesy of Yahoo Sports. And the game's going to come down to on who wins on third downs, in my opinion. Packers are 19th in the NFL on third uh, third down conversion rate with 38%. The Vikings uh, stopped third down really well. So it's going to come down to who uh, who wins on third down. The Vikings uh, stop. Uh, they, they only give up uh, first downs 28% of the time on third downs. So can the Packers uh, get some uh, third down plays to keep drives moving? And the big thing is the Packers got to put themselves in uh, in, uh, in winnable third down situations, third and five and sh- uh, and last. That opens up what you can do on third down. If you can get third and five and last, you're working in your favor. If you're between third and six to third and uh, longer, then you're kind of going against the against the grains here because the Vikings have a pretty good pass rush. They get after the quarterback well, and the Patriots kind of put gave you the blueprint on how to. Slow down the Packers. Attack the guards. And I guarantee you, Mike Zimmer will be attacking the guards. He will be attacking Bell, and he will be attacking Taylor. The guards have not played really well at times this season in pass protection. And uh, Lindsley hasn't done that great either in pass protection. He'll go the wrong. He'll go one way, and then they send somebody the other way. That's what the Patriots done. That's what the, and that's what teams are going to start doing. So they're going to have to uh, figure out ways to get in third and manageable situations. Because if you get in third and long, second and long against Minnesota, they can just tee their ears back and get after the quarterback. And Rodgers, you know, he's going to be, you know, if he's going to be scrambling for his life, it's going to be a very long day. Um, remember the last time Green Bay played in Minnesota, Rodgers had to scramble a little bit because the guy struggled to get open. And we all know what happened. Rodgers broke a collarbone after a questionable late hit. Um, some say it was a late hit. Uh, should have been roughing the passers. Others, Viking fans, say it wasn't. But either way, um, you know, Rodgers is going to have to get the ball quickly and trust his guys. I said in the breakdown of the Seattle game, he has to trust his guys. And that's what he's going to have to do. Packers need to get the ball in Aaron Jones' hands. If you can get Jones running, the Vikings are struggling to stop the run. Um, trying to find it right now. The Vikings are uh, allowing 94.8 yards per game, and they allowed 148 on the ground against the Bears. Compared to last year, they allowed 77 yards per game on the ground. Get the ball in Jones's hands and let him compete. And the other thing you want to do is attack the middle. <clears throat> um, Anthony Barr is a full participant all week in practice, but he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. Get him out in coverage. Um, and Andrew Sanjeho, 
uh, is not going to play at all due to a groin injury. Um, and then Xavier Rhodes is uh, likely to play full goal all week in practice, but he's dealing with a foot injury. So challenge these guys. Challenge the middle of the field against Minnesota. Nelson Jeho, challenge it. Challenge it with Tunyon. Challenge it with Mercedes Lewis. Challenge it, the coverage with Aaron Jones. Send uh, crossing patterns at the safeties with Ecumenius St. Brown and with Mark Mal- uh, Valdez-Scantling. Hopefully Randall Cobb's back and he can attack the middle of the field. But the big thing is you got to attack the middle. That's where you got to attack. Force Barr and force uh, the safety that's going to be playing for the Vikings. Um, uh, I had his name here a second ago, but force them, force them in the coverage. Um, Anthony Harris, he's going to be starting because Sanjejo is going to miss his uh, sixth straight game because of the groin. Go after the middle of the field. You could move the ball on the Vikings. But you have to get in third and manageable situations, and you have to get the ball in the players' hands quickly and allow them to make plays. Defensively, got to get pressure on Cousins. Cousins doesn't do great when he gets when you get pressure on him. I know it's going to be difficult with no Nick Perry, who's out once again, no Mike Daniels, but the guys you have, and Kenny Clark, and Clay Matthews, and. Cairo Frackle, they got to get pressure on the Vikings quarterback. And the Vikings, uh, Tom Compton uh, was limited most of the week due to a knee. No word if he's going to play or not. Um, Danny Isadora uh, slowed with, you know, dealing with a knee. Uh, full pra- participant in practice, but who knows how uh, great he's going to be. Mike Remmers, low back injury, limited for two of the three days of practice this week. Uh, no word on what his availability is going to be on on uh, Sunday. So you've got to get pressure, especially up the middle. The guards are banged up. You have Compton, Isadoa, and Remmers all banged up. Get pressure up the middle. Blitz up the middle a little bit. Send Matthews on blitzes up the middle. Send Blake Martinez up the middle on blitzes. Um, just get pressure on on Thielen. Thielen struggles. I mean, I'm not Thielen. Cousins. Cousins struggles when he has, gets pressure on him. And then the big thing is you got to figure out how you're going to slow down uh, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. Those two killed Green Bay in week two. They they killed Green Bay. And part of it was you lost Kevin King in the game due to injury, and you had to rely on Devon House. But Cousins had 425 yards in that game, 131 to Thielen, 128 to Dig, 72 to Rudolph, 52 to Delvon Cook, and then 2 for 23 and 2 for 19 against Treadwell and David Morgan. Um, but most of the yardage were Thielen and Diggs. That's who killed you. They combined for three touchdowns, combined for over, uh, combined for twenty-one catches, and combined for well over two hundred yards. And I don't know if King is going to be able to play or not. Um, he's been limited all week in practice. Uh, hasn't been ruled out yet, but he didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday, and limited on Friday. He's questionable for the game. Um, also, 
As I said, Nick Perry's out, Mike Daniels out, Breland's questionable, uh, didn't practice all week, so he's unlikely to play. Kentrell Bryce is questionable. He's uh, either limited or didn't practice all week. Uh, Raven Green is doubtful, hasn't practiced all week. Kevin King, questionable, as I already mentioned. So the Packers' defense, especially in the secondary, is King, Breland, and Green, and Bryce banged up. So help your secondary out by getting pressure on Kirk Cousins. If you get pressure on Cousins, defensively you're going to win. He's going to throw some up that you can intercept. Big thing is you've got to play a full four quarters of football. Packers controlled the first half, and they got held to 12 points in the second half where the Vikings scored 22 points in the fourth quarter to come back and tie. Can't let that happen again. Definitely can't. And (sighs) prediction-wise, and this is going to surprise a lot of you because Rodgers has just not done a great job at times this year. He's held the ball a lot, struggled to get the ball out quickly, uh, looking for the big play. Um, He has taken... um, He is among the leaders in sacks taken. He loves to hold the ball, uh, waiting for a big play. And 56% of Rodgers' sacks have happened on third and fourth down. 56 have happened on third and fourth down. So, some reason though, I have a gut feeling that Rodgers is going to play like he did the second half against Chicago. He's going to uh, focus on getting the ball to the open guy, letting his playmakers make plays, get the ball out quickly, and keep pressure on the Vikings defense. Rodgers has even said it all week that he needs to play better. And I think this is the game that he is going to play better. Because why? This is the game last year. Well, Rodgers took exception to the hit that Anthony Barlop put on him that broke Rodgers' collarbone. Rodgers tends to play best when there's a chip on his shoulder. And he gets to return to Minnesota. And I know that he wants nothing more than to uh, destroy the Vikings at Minnesota. The Packers of this if the Packers lose Sunday it'll be their third straight loss in Minnesota. And I guarantee you the Pack Rogers does not want to lose the third straight in Minnesota. He wants to get that win in US Bank Stadium, which I don't think he's won since no, he hasn't won in there since it opened. So I think the Packers win. I think Rogers is gonna push uh well over three hundred yards passing, probably three or four touchdowns, and he's just gonna be motivated. And he's going to get the ball out quickly and let his playmakers make plays. So I know I know it doesn't seem like it should be referred to as a bold prediction, but that's my bold prediction. He is going to be much better flow to the offense in this game, and the Packers are going to win thirty-one to twenty-one. They're going to win by ten. So that's my prediction on the Packer game. <clears throat> and now to move to the next pre- pressing question. Once again, the Evan Wood Podcast is brought to you by Coach Evan Fitness, uh, Strong Enough Fitness. Uh, I am an online uh, health and fitness coach, and I want to help you reach your health and fitness goals. And uh, to help you do that, all you got to do is shoot me an email, coachevan66 at gmail.com. That's coachevan66 at gmail.com. 
shoot me an email and let's start working together and let's start trying to crush your goals. Um, I want to help you crush your goals and let's start working on it uh, together. So with that, moving on to the next topic, um, Mike McCarthy. What should happen to Mike McCarthy at the end of the year? Should they let Mike McCarthy go or should they keep McCarthy for another year? Personally, I think it's time to move on. Even, barring a magical ma- uh, magic carpet ride run to the Super Bowl, it's time to move on from Mike McCarthy. You know, Bill Walsh said it best. Um, nobody should stay at one situation for too long. Um, Bill Walsh thought no one should ever stay at one place for more than 10 years. And the thing is... <clears throat> It's not that I don't think Mike McCarthy's not a good football coach. He's a very good football coach. He's shown time and time again that he can be a very good football coach. The unfortunate thing with Mike McCarthy is he's refused to adapt his offense. Defenses have figured out his offense. As uh, can- I think it was at Kansas City in 2011, laid the initial blueprint on how to beat Green Bay. And... It's been uh, basically ever since teams have figured out how to beat Green Bay. As you flood, flood the passing lanes, uh, get physical at the line of scrimmage, and send four uh, rushing the quarterback. That's been the blueprint dating back to the Kansas City Chiefs in 2011. And the Packers' talent on offense has gone down. Um, I think that's safe to say. They've lost... Greg Jennings, they've lost James Jones, they've lost Donald Driver, Randall Cobb's not the same player he is anymore, they lost Michael Finley, um, they lost Jordy Nelson. They haven't, to me, they haven't really, they haven't really done a good job of replenishing the talent. So when they've let guys like Jones or Jennings go, they had guys waiting in the wings ready to take over and be a intrigal, a, a key part of the offense. They've yet to really replace uh, Jermichael Finley, the guy we started having, uh, we started seeing some comfort level with Rodgers was um, Jared Cook, but they didn't bring back Jared Cook. He uh, came to the negotiating table probably demanding a lot more than Thompson was willing to pay. So the Packers move on and bring in Martellus Bennett, and that didn't work out. They bring in Jimmy Graham. That hasn't worked out, and now Jimmy Graham's trying to play through a broken thumb. But ultimately, the the Packers have not done a good job of adapting their offense to the personnel that they have at the end of the day. They haven't. They just have not done a good job, and that falls on McCarthy. And then you see the same issues week after week. Communication breakdowns, calling a lot of timeouts early. Um, Rodgers has been uh, playing uh, sandlot football, kind of just doing what he wants to do, and that falls on coaching. McCarthy hasn't, to me, done a great job of reigning Rodgers in. He he hasn't. He hasn't done a great job of reigning Rodgers in, and we've seen the outcome of the Packers' offense not clicking. 
McCarthy's offense, he expects receivers to win one-on-one battles. That's what he expects. But you have a lot, you're playing two rookies, and it usually takes a couple years for rookie receivers to develop um, to develop the ability to win one-on-one battles and uh, develop the nuances of route running in the NFL, especially in college when the route tree is a lot smaller than the NFL. But McCarthy has failed to adapt his offense to fit his personnel. He's got an amazing running back in Aaron Jones. I know he missed the first two games due to a stupid suspension. And I call it a stupid suspension because I think um, suspending someone due to marijuana use is stupid. Um, But the NFL has a zero tolerance and they're going to suspend you for smoking marijuana and testing positive or, or having it in your car when you get pulled over. And he got suspended. And it was unfortunate that it happened, but since Jones has come back, he uh, McCarthy has struggled to get him involved in the offense or, or keep him involved in the offense. And that falls on McCarthy too. Um, him and Ro- him and Rogers needs to make uh, Jones a centerpiece of the offense, and it hasn't. That falls on both Rogers and McCarthy, but. Rodgers is not, to me, isn't really responding to McCarthy anymore. He's kind of doing his own thing. And I just think it's time for a new voice. And again, it's nothing personal uh, against McCarthy. Again, I think he is a, uh, I think he is a good football coach, but he just needs a new environment and Rodgers needs a, a new voice uh, running the offense. So now it falls to who's going to be that guy. And there's some names that are being thrown out there um, that could be a potential candidate to replace Mike McCarthy. And Andy Herman at Scooney Sports uh, tweeted out a list of guys who he would want to interview for the Packers head coaching job. He has Josh McDaniels, Matt LaFleur, Eric Blemery, uh, John Hardball, John DeFlip, DeFilippo, Pete Carmichael, Sean Ryan, Lincoln Riley, Zach Taylor, Shane Walden, Bruce Arians, Dan Campbell, and Dave Tolb. Those are the names that he threw out there. Other names that are out there cur- courtesy of FanDuo, um, they bring up John DeFilippo, Eric Blemery, uh, James Betcher, Jim Hardball as potential replacement for Mike McCarthy. All A lot of them would be great options. The thing is, though, you need to have a coach that can work with Rodgers. Um, my concern with Jim Hardball uh, is if he even wants to leave Michigan, first of all, he's got a giant eagle. Rodgers has a giant eagle. Um, they might clash. <laughs> that there might be a lot of conflict. John Hardball, I think, would be a good choice if he brings in a, a offensive coordinator that could uh, do some of the things that we've seen teams like the Rams and the Chiefs and the Eagles and the Bears do. Uh, get innovate, innovative with the offense and get Rodgers to buy in. Offensive coordinator wise, I really would think I would I would love to bring Bruce Arians in as the offensive coordinator to Green Bay. I don't know if I would like him as the head coach, as I don't know. Um, I don't know how. I don't know how much longer he wants to uh, 
I don't know how long he'd want to be the head coach in Green Bay. And I guess if he just wants to coach for like three or four years, I guess it would work out. But the one thing I would like to see is I would like to see Mike Pettin retain. The defense is communicating better. They're playing better. They're starting to buy into Pettin's system. And I think the foundation is there to have a very strong defense moving forward. Just got to get some depth at positions like edge rusher and safety and a little bit more speed at the linebacker position. But they got the foundation on defense to to dominate, I think, moving forward. Um, Some names, other names thrown around, Josh McDaniels. The way he handled the whole Indianapolis situation scares me. Um, How committed would he be to Green Bay? And would he pull what he did uh, to Indy? Which, if he did, it would pretty much end his chance of ever becoming a head coach ever again, except in New England, because no other team would even bother trying to retain him. Uh, John D. Filippo, uh, Vikings offense has struggled this year. So the question would be, is it because of the quarterback play or is it his uh, his style of offense or what? Is it not meshing in Minnesota and would it mesh in Green Bay? Um, Eric Blemery, offense coordinator for Kansas City. Um, we've seen what one former Kansas City offensive coordinator is doing in Chicago. Maybe he can do the same in uh Maybe he can do the same in uh, in Green Bay. And the offense coordinator before Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson, won the Super Bowl last year. So I'd be okay with that one too. But I, like I said, I want to keep Mike Patton. So I did throw a Twitter poll out. Uh, should the Packers uh, let Mike McCarthy go? I had 83 votes, one of my more successful polls I've ever done. And I know it doesn't seem like much, but, you know, it's growing. But 70% said yes, 5% said no, and 25% said, why wait, fire him now. So with that, what are your thoughts on Mike McCarthy and who should they bring in to be their next head football coach? Josh McDaniels and John Filippo and Eric Blemerly. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name. Those are my top three options. Uh, Lincoln Riley, uh, they could be a wild card, but I don't know if he's ready to jump to the NFL. Um, yet from Oklahoma. But with that said, I want to thank you all for listening to the Evan Witt podcast. I appreciate the support. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Evan Witt Sports. Uh, rate my podcast on iTunes. Uh, let me know what you think of it. And let me know what you would want more or have different in the show. Thanks for listening. And I hope you all have a great weekend. And I will talk to you all later.